Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. Thanks for joining us. This is UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living in today's world. Here is your host, Dr. Laurel Trujillo. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living today. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the show. Our topic today is the rhythm of life, thriving with yoga and Ayurveda. We will be exploring how we each can develop daily habits that can decrease stress, cultivate peace of mind, and bring radiant longevity to our lives. I'm delighted to be joined today by Kate Stillman. She's the author of the book we are going to be discussing today called Body Thrive, Uplevel Your Body and Your Life with 10 Habits from Ayurveda and Yoga. Kate Stillman has been teaching Ayurveda and yoga programs locally and globally since founding her website, yogahealer.com in 2001. She is the founder and host of the Yoga Healer podcast. Kate offers classes and programs that support people who want to thrive in their bodies and achieve their life goals. You can find out more about Kate, her books, and programs at her website, yogahealer.com. We will post a link to her website and obviously to this program on our website, theyogahour.com. Welcome, Kate Stillman. I'm really delighted to have you join me today on the Yoga Hour. Oh, thank you, Laurel Trujillo. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah. So before we dive into our dialogue about thriving with yoga and Ayurveda, let's dive into um, this moment, to this moment right here and right now. Om. Let's begin by just bringing our attention to our bodies, our bodies doing whatever we're doing, whether we're sitting, standing, walking, driving, just feeling our bodies in space and feeling the surfaces that support us. Where are our feet? What part of our weight is supported by the chair or cushion where we sit? And then just noticing as we take the next breath, a fully conscious breath as we inhale and exhale. On the next inhale, feeling the cool air in the nostrils. And on the exhale, feel how the air has been warmed as it passes through our lungs. Continuing to focus on our breathing as we rest here. Here's something to contemplate from Ryujin Davis, a great American Kriya Yoga Master, 
and the teacher, guru of the Yoga Hours founder and spiritual director, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, as well as a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda. This is from Mr. Davis's book, An Easy Guide to Ayurveda. Our awareness flows more easily and we can express more freely when our mental, emotional, and physical states are at their most favorable levels of functional efficiency. We are in this world not to just survive and consume natural resources, but to live skillfully and freely with enlightened or clearly known purpose. We are here to live in harmony with nature so that we have its full support and it has ours. We are here to live in harmony with nature so that we have its full support and it has ours. Once again, Kate Stillman, welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I, I neglected to mention in my intro that we do have a, another program with you in our archives and listeners listeners can find it by entering your name into our search engine. Um, that is, uh, her name is Kate, spelled the C, C-A-T-E, Stillman, S-T-I-L-L-M-A-N for listeners who might want to find that prior episode. Um, I wanted to invite you back, Kate, to here we are three weeks into the new year, and I wanted to discuss with you how we can change our habits and bring ourselves more into alignment with the rhythm of life. Often people start the new year with lots of good intentions about positive ways that we want to change our behavior. However, at this point, a few weeks into the year, I know that many people have already abandoned those efforts to make any positive changes. One of the things that I appreciate about your book, Body Thrive, is that you help us look at the process of making changes in our lives in ways that are really sustainable. And you also focus on changes coming out of Ayurveda and yoga that really can positively impact our health and are probably much different than the usual Western medical advice or the usual New Year's resolutions that people might have to exercise more or to lose weight. So talking about this book, what inspired you to write Body Thrive? <laughs> I write books so that I don't have to keep saying the same thing again and again, and I can just <laughs> say read chapter seven. <laughs> yeah, truly. So this was advice you were giving in your classes and you just wanted to, you know, pull it all into the, you know, into I one was spot. guiding people. No. So we do books at Yoga Healer. We do books, uh, books. Reading a book, reading a self-help book, um, if you're just trying to get an information or perspective, is is useful. Uh, but in general, if you're trying to help yourself, you have to do the book. And so with habits, you have to do the habits. And what we know about habit science is that uh, you have with habit change, the easiest way to do habits is with people that have those habits. Mm. And so we had been doing this. These are the habits of yogis. These are the habits based on circadian rhythm. The yogis have, you know, been a good user group for, for thousands of years on this. Uh, a lot of the habits, what I'm finding now in my research for this book that uh, I'm releasing, yeah, we'll have to do another podcast, Laurel. In, uh, <laughs> we will. <laughs> releasing shortly called Wild Habits is like the, even the more primal evolution of what the yogis codified into circadian rhythm, which is what Body Thrive is. It's just the 10 habits of circadian rhythm. And then anyone who's following 
anyone who has their head out of the sand right now um, knows that circadian rhythm determines their health. It determines their hormonal health. It determines their brain function. It determines their digestive health. It determines their ability to reset, uh, which controls their immune health. So, you know, it's like, that's not new circadian mm-hmm. rhythm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a good question in the beginning about like, why, first of all, why do people fail at habits? People fail at habits because they're not with other people that have the habits that they want to have, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. Stop, like full stop. And it's that easy. But when, if you don't know that, mm-hmm. you keep trying to do it on your own and you will fail because culture trumps. So if we're playing cards, are you a card player? Mm, a little bit, not too much. <laughs> so you know Trump. So what is yes. Trump? What's Trump? Well, Trump is to uh, is is the high cards. What beats? It's the high card. Yeah. So if you don't know what Trump is, it's hard to win. It's hard to actually even have a fair game. So with knowing what Trump is, if Trump is like just a group of people that already has the habits that you're trying to have, because you know that those are the habits of the rhythm, they're the habits of you know, circadian rhythm, they're the habits of the of the life force is what we'd say in Ayurveda. It's the habits that optimize for prana, mm-hmm. life force energy, optimize for tejas, which is the mind's power of discrimination, and optimize so you can choose, so you can choose what direction to focus your life, uh, so that you can learn from yesterday and apply it today and learn mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. apply that tomorrow. Yeah. And ojas, so pranatagus, and then ojas. And ojas is so you can have the power of resilience and right. adaptability, because ojas does both. Ojas controls the microbiome and the virome. Mm. And so, if you have the rhythm, you have a shot. You've got a good shot. Mm. And if you don't, you have chaos. And that's mm. what we're seeing today with the diseases mm. of chronic inflammation. And it's way worse, Laurel, than when I wrote Body Thrive in 2015. It was mm. way worse than when I started coaching Body Thrive in 2012. Mm. Well, one of the things that you really dive into in the book uh, is more about the science, about uh, habit change. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you back on. You talk about the work of BJ Fogg, who is a Stanford researcher whose research has focused on behavior change and what makes people successful about behavior change. And interestingly, uh, Dr. Fogg has been a guest on our program in the past. And No way. Yeah. That's and awesome. uh, we're going to put a link to that uh, conversation that I had with him on onto our website as well. Um, so one of the things that he talks about in his, uh, in his book, Tiny Habits, he believes that our, our plan to change a habit should be simple and tiny. And, mm-hmm. uh, you go through his three-step behavior change model in your book. So I wanted to give an overview of that. Would you review those three steps from, uh, Dr. Fogg's model? Yeah. I mean, what Fogg, Fogg brought a few things to the table in, in behavior science. And a lot of people have piggybacked on, on that work. And, and, uh, and so the power, some of you have heard it as the two minute rule or the, or even, uh, even like the one minute rule with meditation. And it's that if, if you can't start, you're not going to go anywhere. So you better break it down into something that you actually have enough motivation to do. And Fogg also brought in that there's, there's two there's, you know, you basically have like two states of motivation, like highly motivated. So when you're listening to a podcast like this and you hear something and you're like, I'm going to change my behavior, I need to go do something and you do it. uh, That can even be like, I'm going to go clean the refrigerator so that there's only food in there that I should put in my body or my cupboards, right? Like clear the holidays out, clear the crap out. That's a period of high motivation. So low motivation, that's like what you can count on. That's what you can count on every day. 
<laughs> so your ability better match your motivation. So that's right. part one and two, ability or motivation and ability. And then trigger, you better know what the triggers are. So there's five, in behavioral science, there's five habit triggers. Um, this is more or less agreed upon, just like there's five main personality traits in, in, in psychology, there's five habit triggers. Uh, the higher the habit triggers are pretty simple. Just think about brushing your teeth. So you did something before you picked up your toothbrush. So that's previous action. There was a time and a place. You do it in your bathroom. You do it at a certain time. Um, another person is another or emotion. So if you always drink with this person, then that would be another person triggered habit or smoke or eat too much food or whatever, or exercise or ski or push your limits or focus or learn something new. Those are all, uh, those are all other person triggers An emotion habit trigger. You know, anyone here who's like, I do emotional eating, you know, exactly what an emotional habit trigger is. I don't think I have to explain that one. Mm -hmm. uh, and that can also work for better or for worse, where like a lot of companies start with positive focus at a meeting because they're trying to trigger an emotional cascade that will adjust the thinking. So it's the previous action before tackling the hard things. So when you do that, you're using other people, previous action, a time, a place, and you, and you can stack triggers when you stack triggers like that, you'll end up in a flow state. And that's what the yogis realized. It was like, oh, all you do is you just stack your day full of the right triggers at the right time that are coming. We're not separate from nature. That are our reflection of embodiment of nature. Yeah, what I thought about what was interesting about um, about the conversation with uh, Dr. Fogg was to talk about that, to realize that you can associate a change that you want to make with a certain, uh, with a certain other behavior that you're doing all the time. And so if you can associate them like that, you're going to be more successful at uh, changing a behavior, which is perhaps just a simpler way of restating what you just said. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. So, uh, Right now, yeah, so here like we are. One habit in our community, because we're really going into the, the primitive part of of habits, there's uh, there's things like swishing and humming that release nitric oxide, which is the third gas, which kills inflammation in the physiology. It also kills viruses in the sinuses so they don't spread to the lungs. So there's little habits like that. So if you simply are already brushing your teeth and then you hum three times, you're going to vibrate the cilia in your paranasal sinuses and open those channels to release the bacteria in there, the microbiome in the paranasal sinuses. They will release nitric oxide, which will fuel the lungs and expand the lungs and break up any fibrosis and then move directly into the bloodstream and uh, clear the bloodstream of any debris. It's like a natural blood balancer. I'd say blood thinner because most people have blood, thick blood right now, but it, mm. so it'll thin the blood. But it, you know, if someone has thin blood, it's not going to thin their blood. And so it's not, it's a balancer that way. <laughs> so yeah, the stakes are high for habit stacking. Cause if you're like, Oh, if I, if I were to integrate hum, you know, and you did in the beginning with ohms, like, ohm. feel that in your paranasal sinuses, that's releasing nitric oxide. Say so you're like, oh, I'm going to, like, there's more reasons to do it than like to be all whatever, new age or old age or whatever, right? It's like, just do it to release nitric oxide in your sinuses, kill the viruses in your sinuses, and then see what happens. Mm -hmm. Then see what happens to your brain. See what happens yeah. to your focus. So habit stacking, you know, you want to break it down into one to two minute things. It's not like a... Um, you know, we keep discovering more and more with both body thrive habits and wild habits is they save you time and money. You end up with surpluses of, of time and of money. So with fasting, most people right now don't have to focus on a habit they need to do. They just need to focus on not doing something, having only two meals a day, no snacks, 
some days one meal a day, no snacks. That's a traditional yogic way of eating anyway. So it's not, there's nothing new about that. There's nothing new about intermittent fasting. Yogis knew a lot about it because they were hell bent on heaven, right? Higher mm -hmm. states of consciousness. So they were going to get there by hell or high water. And that meant fasting. So they discovered the intermittent fasting rhythm um, that had never left, right? It had never left. It's always a primitive habit. We know 10,000 years ago, human brain size was 10% larger because humans were thinking on the move. They were hungry and moving and thinking. Whereas now, and even since agriculture, uh, we don't. Mm -hmm. So the yogis had figured that out. They never stopped fasting. So we're talking about changing behaviors, and I think one of the biggest barriers that you first run into is your own inability to have done it in the past. So we're going to give people, in the second part of the show, we're going to give people some different ideas about habits that they can change. And everyone's going to run into this. I have tried to change my behavior in the past, and I have not been successful. So how do you overcome that? How do we overcome our own negative self-talk about not having been successful no, I in the past? I already answered that. Don't you remember? <laughs> get I your, already get answered it. it. What, did you, what do you remember from what I already said on that? Uh, you uh, change the people that you associate with. Yeah, so you find a group of people. So you don't have to change. You don't have to put yourself into fear and anxiety and let go of your core, your core community, right? You don't have to do that. So you don't have to totally change your scene, uh, but you better find people that already have the habits that, that you're trying to automate next. And mm -hmm. what we know, what Fogg's saying is that if you can lower motivation by automation, then you don't even notice your triggers anymore. You mm -hmm. don't even notice it. And your ability starts to supersede. So you actually get tuned into higher level vibrations that tune you into other habits. So habit stacking naturally habits. Mm -hmm. Motivation then can be applied to very deep focus. That's the tagus part. That's the enlightenment part. Like live, live at the edge of your potentiality. Live as the creator. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, if you're not with people that are doing that, um, you can't do it alone. Culture's too strong. You're losing in culture. Statistically, we know three out of five people today on the planet from the World Health Organization stats that they die a year. Three out of five people today alive die of chronic inflammation a year. It's, a, it's an optional disease. It's a, it's a diet and lifestyle-driven disease. It's a mindset-driven disease. So not that only because a lot of us right here are not afraid of dying, but like, do you want to carry the extra weight? Like, do you want to lose your time mm -hmm. every day to stuff that's less important? Like, that's what's at stake. Mm -hmm. So to me, mm -hmm. it's like, once you get, okay, there's people doing it totally different. I better go find them. I better go invest in those people caring about my success. And as soon as I start doing that, game on. So we've talked about Ayurveda on this program many times as it is a sister science to yoga. And one of the many things that I appreciate about Ayurveda is that it really looks at our bodies as a microcosm of the larger macrocosm of the universe and recognizes that we are affected by the rhythms of the natural world as Raging Davis, who I quoted in you know, our You know, I would even just stop right there. Like we are the natural world. Like there yes. is no us, them, right? There's no separation. So if we're against the rhythm if we're moving anything against rhythm, if we have actually created the idea of separation between us and nature, we're already at first cause of disease, according to Ayurveda and yoga, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so it's even just that us, them, nature is something outside of myself. It's like, no, no way. The microbiome and the microbiome is way more genetically diverse than your human DNA. Mm -hmm. You are nature. Nature's happening within you at every minute. So if you want order... You got to line up. If you want chaos, 
expect disease. No, right. Yeah, and that's right. Absolutely. Yeah. I was going to just share this Ray G. Davis quote because I really like yeah. it. He, yeah, he wrote, uh, there is an enlivening power that is nurturing the universe and we can learn to cooperate with it. So it's basically what you just said, you know, the, this, I would take it one step further, not learn to cooperate with it, like learn that you are that mm. you are that. So act like it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what does mm -hmm. that look like? Right. Who do you become when you act like it? So it's not separate from you, you needing to channel something outside of yourself. It's in your mitochondria and it's in your lysosomes. Mm. That's that electrical energy. And it's the gas of it is, is nitric oxide. It's that shift between the oxygen and the carbon dioxide. And that's where, to me, it gets so freaking fascinating. And you guys, I'm a futurist, right? So this is the edge. Like this is the edge of where chronic inflammation meets Ayurveda, meets yoga philosophy, goes into behavioral science and points to the future. And I'm not, you know, like a lot of people don't like the edge because it's unfamiliar, but I don't mind it. <laughs> <laughs> so you have already kind of dipped your toe in this, but let's go in there further. So Ayurveda names three general causes of disease, which are making careless choices, disrespecting your senses, and accelerating aging by living out of rhythm with the cosmic clock, which we're going to talk a lot more about that, I think, in the second half of the show. Would you dive into a little bit more. I think you've already kind of, you know, gone there a little bit, but did you have anything yeah. else you wanted to say about you know, that? It gets even simpler. It really, so the way the Vedic texts are written is so beautiful. I know, you know, this from the yoga sutras and, uh, and how there's, there's a lot of organization and order and prioritization of, 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 of what comes first. They call that Krama. So what we know is that the yogis were thinking in sequence, right? They were masters of sequence and they, it's not that they wouldn't, the tantrics were also into akrama when you like mix it up and take it out of sequence and take it inside out and find shortcuts, right? Wormholes or shortcuts. So they knew about akrama too. So in the Charaksamhita, which is the, the oldest book on Ayurveda, it starts with these words, hita hitam, which is like, what's helping you out and what's hurting you. And that's your navigation between order and chaos. So you're constantly wanting to orient towards that, which is upgrading your physiology including your psychology into higher levels of order, which also include your community because you're not separate than even at the level of your, you know, what's going on in your mouth right now. <laughs> like <laughs> that's a very active should be, hopefully is a very active microbiome right mm -hmm. at the tip of your tongue. So that whole sense of like, you are meant to taste, you are meant to learn, you are meant to spit out, you are meant to eject chaos yet playing the edge, because there's a lot of energy in chaos, so playing the edge of making that infinite energy highly ordered, and that's order. So if you don't learn from yesterday, say, we'll just use the typical example, someone eats too much food or drinks too much alcohol or smokes too much weed or cigarettes or, or sits too much on the couch, <laughs> choose your adventure, right? And you get a hit. Your intuition knows exactly that this is not working because it's riding on you know, it's riding on millions and billions of years of evolution. So it's not new. It's not your consciousness. It's a, con it's a, it's a facility you inherited. It's a technology you inherited and you get to be that and optimize the experience. So if you're in a suboptimal experience, it's because you simply haven't implemented the learning that ignites fire. And that's really that teaching of like, be fiery with your senses, like be discriminatory. That's Tejas that we talked about in the beginning. Be very discriminatory with your senses. And we would say now, 
you know, the yogis were, they like to order things. So the five senses correlate with the five elements. Uh, And there's all of these various correlations of five that are basically like, don't mess these five up. So if you're looking at stuff that's, you know, not making your, your mind higher ordered, stop. Mm. If you're not listening to that, which is organizing at the vibrational level in your physiology and making your mind higher ordered, like stop. If there's, you know, and it, and it actually correlates to all the microbiome. So what's going on in the parasinus microbiome is affecting the pineal gland. Like that'll be fun. The science on that'll start to get good. We know it was skin, which is our ability to touch, right? So it's got, it's a microbiome and it's a sense. So if we're not touched each day, actually, this is a funny thing. I, um, at dawn in the dark this morning, I was riding my bicycle, my snow bike to the end of Teton Canyon, maybe a four mile ride. And it's going from dark to light. And I get to the end of the canyon and I shoot a little video for my team and I shoot another little video for my community uh, and I'm off the grid. So I just save the videos and then I'm getting ready to go. And my dog touches her nose to my leg and I pull out and, uh, and I say, go. And she, and she takes off. Now I thought immediately after like what in her evolutionary biology causes her to use touch. She knows I can see her. She's not going to rely. This is safety and change of direction. She's not going to rely on that sense. She's going to connect through touch. I don't know the depth of why that is. Um, my guess is it's a, they've been using that forever, <laughs> right? Like mm-hmm. when they're changing direction, they don't rely on sight or sound. They rely on touch. They touch. There's something happening in there. So then I'm reflecting on like, what is the quality? Does my 14-year-old feel that from me? in points where she might be taking on more risk, stepping mm-hmm. into more chaos. I need to know that touch is more fundamental than sight and sound. And if we look at Ayurveda, it's like, yeah, there's that, there's something else that's happening. So if a human being's not getting touched, they're out of rhythm, right? Mm-hmm. They're out of rhythm with the order. So that means even what they might crave, they might go to emotional eating because their touch is off. They're mm-hmm. not getting connection that interconnected field, they're actually not picking up the microbiome that also happens. <laughs> There's great mm-hmm. studies on the uh, people that live with dogs have a more developed microbiome because they're getting germs from the dogs and that's making their own <laughs> microbiome diversity much stronger, including a really special molecule that generates serotonin that most people don't have right now. You, you might, and I need to cut in right there just for a yeah. sec, because we've reached the end of the first segment. You're listening to the yoga hour with teacher and author Kate Stillman. Kate is the author of the book. We're discussing today, body thrive, up level your body and your life with 10 habits from Ayurveda and yoga. You can learn more about Kate at her website, yogahealer.com, which we will, we'll post that information on our website, the We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us via our website at theyogahour.com. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, producer and host of the show. When we come back from the break, we'll explore more about developing healthy habits that will up-level your body and your life. We'll be right back. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. 
Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. You're listening to unityonlineradio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour, insights and practices for spiritually conscious living. Welcome back from the break. In our last segment, we were talking about habits in general and how we can change our habits. And then I wanted to really turn the conversation to specific behavior changes that we can make in our lives that will support us in in living a healthier, more vital life. And these habits may be different than the ones that you might have tried to change earlier this month. As I mentioned, a lot of people will try and increase exercise or uh, lose weight as part of their New Year's resolutions. Uh, And a lot of the habits that Kate talks about in her book, Body Thrive, are really having to do with aligning ourselves with more natural rhythms. So they're very different than what you might be thinking about when you think about changing to have more healthy behaviors. So the first habit, Kate, that you suggest we look at is the time of day that we eat our biggest meal and then looking at what we eat. And you recommend we eat an earlier and lighter dinner. So why, first of all, what what is the deal with timing? you know, of dinner? Why, why is that important? Yeah. So everything depends on tomorrow, really. So if we want tomorrow to be better, we better start today. And when I was deciding like what habits, uh, like what is the order of the habits? I already knew what habits, but it was like in what order. Uh, and you guys can find these habits. They're in the old yoga books, like the ones that were written before like the 1990s. And it's like to practice yoga, it was more or less a circadian rhythm habit manual as a checklist and it was do this. And then it's like, yeah, I read that. And I was like, how, mm. how, when culture goes 100% against all of those mm. cultures, pushing you to eat late, eat heavy at night, stay up late, wake up groggy, eat more like three meals a day plus snacks. I, I mean, it's insane. And then, and then we denutrify our food on top of that. So it's like, if we understand that there's, two metabolisms. There's the metabolism that's digesting the food in your blood. And there's the metabolism that's digesting your fat. And if you want cognitive function, if you want longevity, if you're pregnant and you want a healthy baby, you better pay a lot of attention to fat metabolism. So the only way to get to fat metabolism is by not having fuel in your blood. And so that means that you're fasting. So if you're eating an earlier, lighter dinner, you've got a, a bit of a shot the next morning of waking up and feeling a little lighter, a little clearer, waking up a little earlier, which is where the prana is. It's in before the dawn. And, and to live that day a little more awake, which means being able to learn. We go right back to hita hitam, like being able to learn from yesterday and apply it tomorrow uh, so that you can keep ordering your life into higher order, using the energy from chaos in order to fuel that. And when you do that, you have more time. Interestingly, we keep finding this in the Body Thrive member community. You have more money. You end up with more money because you're just able to direct the flow of energy rather than in this like sort of excess spend, eating too much, using too much of the body's organizational energy for business as usual and never getting to higher level thinking. Mm -hmm. 
I also know that Ayurveda really looks at the um, times of day from the Ayurvedic perspective. It has to do with what governs, you know, what governs what. Um, so times, timing of day, for example, eating the the um, biggest meal at lunchtime rather than at dinner is more consistent with uh, um, the heat of the sun, the fire of our digestive system, you know, being higher at that time. Did you want to comment on that? Yeah, sure. So let's just go with what most people are currently doing, which is eating their eating more at the end of the day. So we already got into like why that will ruin your next day because you won't be awake for it. You won't have a clear mind in the morning if you push the majority of your calories uh, towards the, the later part of the day. The exception on there is if you're doing OMADs, like if you're doing one meal a day and you're just fasting until 6 p.m. Wim Hof does that. It works great. But most people won't fast till five. A lot of people can't really like, you know, in a way that feels good. So what the yogis found was that, you know, you are, again, as nature, you never stopped wanting to eat when it was light, when you could see, mm -hmm. right? And so, well, when is it light? Well, when is it dark? And that, it, you know, it's like middle of the day. Yeah, like it's just light and you're hungry because you've done something. Like you've already worked, you've done something. It's your reward and it's the shift into from body into mind. And that happens somewhere around when the light changes in the afternoon, when the light changes in the afternoon, you want the mind to be fueled. So fueling yourself before that is great. And a lot of people end up skipping dinner. You know, a lot of people just end up like, especially as they get older, I mean, by the time you're in your, you know, if you haven't figured that out by your mid to late forties, you know, like chances are you're uh, not learning from yesterday. You're pushing, you're playing a little bit too much chaos and you, cause you're not accessing autophagy, which is how your cells clean house and all the stuff that happens when you're body sourcing fuel from fat that organizes the mind. It pushes you into higher cognitive function. So there's a lot really, there's a lot resting on that basic principle of like, yeah, you enjoy your food, eat it when it's light out so you can see it and enjoy it. And then, so afterwards you can really use your mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you were going to, you know, take a step in that direction, I mean, one of the things that you were talking about is, um, you know, the culture is driving us one direction. Um, and uh, family schedules often drive us in that direction because the kids are at school. Um, do you have any just bit of advice for people to trying to uh, trying to make this change of eating a uh, heavier meal or meal earlier in the day? I wouldn't even focus on it. I would really just focus on eating an earlier, lighter dinner. Like, right. That's mm -hmm. why, that's why the chapter starts. That's why the book starts with earlier, lighter dinners. Like don't try to add more in people are overweight right now. Children are overweight right now. Teenagers are overweight right now. Pregnant women are overweight right now. Our elderly population's overweight right now. And if you have any excess weight, that equals, there's just an equal sign between that and chronic inflammation. It's an equal sign. So you're making it harder for yourself. So don't add, don't add more food in anybody. No, you don't need any more food. I promise you just need more fasting time. Mm. You just need more fasting time. Mm -hmm. So eat a little lighter at night. So you wake up with a little more clarity in the morning so that you have a little more motivation to do the things that you already know you should be doing. You already know you should like get in your body and get breath moving and do a sun salutation or two before you start putting any kind of food into your physiology. Cause as soon as you put food into your physiology, you just shift it into a lower operating system, unless you fasted a minimum of 16 hours. Mm. What's even better for a lot of people right now is to be fasting 18 hours, be fasting 20 hours, be fasting 24 hours to be mixing it up and starting to get into metabolic flexibility. Cause that crushes the chronic inflammation. It drops the weight, it digests the imbalances. And then you experience your higher operating system. And then you're like, 
wow, I've got more time because I'm spending way less time thinking about food. People think about food 15% of their day right now. It's mm. so bad. It's so inefficient. And they're mostly beating themselves up about it. The next habit that you talk about in the book is going to bed early, which is another time of day habit. So again, I'm just trying to encourage people to think more broadly about your habits. Think more broadly about mm. instead of trying to just exercise more and, and uh, lose weight, um, although that may be a function, as you said, of some of these behavior changes, just what about going to bed early? Why is that important? Yeah. So again, it's, we want to have an awesome day tomorrow. Like I always go back to like, we want to have an awesome day tomorrow. If you're in circadian rhythm, right? So you're riding the wave of the rhythm, meaning you're living in order. So you're going into higher ordered states, you're limiting chaos, you're learning from chaos and channeling it into higher levels of order. You have to witness the dawn of a new day. If you don't, you're already in it. You're in an inflammatory habit, meaning you're going to have more inflammation. You're going to make worse decisions. You're going to be dumber. So that's lower cognitive function. Dumb is a mean way of saying it, right? But dumb and fat goes to stupid. There's, it's so sad. And I don't like that, you guys. I don't like what works and what doesn't work, and I don't get to choose. But we do have really good science. There's an excellent interview with me with uh, Mark Matson, who ran a division of the NIH uh, and really has done the most research on intermittent fasting. And it's really sad that we can drop our IQ with chronic inflammation, but we can. Mm. And one of the first things we do is we're just out of circadian rhythm cycles. We're just out of the rhythm. The rhythm has to have fasting. You have to witness the dawn of the new day. The yogis call that Brahma Muharta. Like, you, like that's the crowning achievement. It's like you just witness dark becoming light. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to get up early, you have to go to bed earlier. So uh, you, one of the things you talk about in the book is the evil second wind. <laughs> Yeah. Oh. <laughs> would you would you explain why that what that is and why is why is it evil? Well, it's um well it's awesome awesome, right? It's like this is when the rebels wake up. This is when the artists and the musicians and the truly creative thinkers they love that the time uh that fire rises again and it's the subtle fire of the mind. So at some point you just have to decide uh again, like first order or second order. If you want first order energy, you have to align to the bigger rhythm. It doesn't mean you can't blow your wad a few times, right? And you can, you totally can and stay up and party or create or connect uh, and use that, use that really amazing, subtle fire, but you just can't do it all the time. Mm -hmm. You just can't, it can't be your baseline. It can't be your status quo. If you want to, again, experience higher order thinking, higher order creativity, higher order finances, higher order organization in, in your life, in your parenting, in, in anything. You just, you know, you keep blowing your wad. You take it, you, you just take it in the kidneys, essentially. You'll take it in your immune system eventually. Mm-hmm. And when you say going to bed earlier, I know that 10 p.m. is a, is a um, important um, time if we can aim to be in bed before 10 and that those hours between 10 and midnight at 10 o'clock hour is when Ayurveda looks at the um, the uh, return of, as you're saying, that fire energy, you know, comes up. So I assume that's what you're talking about here. Yes. Yeah. We have to understand, too, that the the numbers are arbitrary and what we want to look at bigger. We always want to zoom out and say, what's nature doing? So nature does it different in depending on how far you are from the equator and it doesn't different in the seasons at that same location. So again, we want to say like in the winter, I notice my natural, 
my natural habit rhythm in the winter is about 8.30 p.m. to about 4.30 to 5 a.m. Uh, and that's, and I'm pretty awake, right? And that didn't happen overnight. And I was raised as in standard American diet with tons of chronic inflammation and all the crap that goes along with that. Uh, but that's what I notice right now. I notice in summer, yeah, it's closer to that 10 p.m. for sure. Uh, and you need less sleep in summer in general. So if we look at there's an annual habit rhythm as well, uh, the, you know, bears hibernate, humans sleep more in winter. We digest the heaviest fats, the deepest nutrients in the wintertime. That's the winter crop, the storage crop. The summer crops like snap peas and baby beets and carrots, the sugar crop. So we're, we're in a different metabolism we're in a light metabolism in the summertime and a dark metabolism in the wintertime. So that 10, it's good to know, but it's really just an arbitrary measure. I really encourage people to sink into what's the lived experience of it. When do you feel your energy drop? When do you feel your consciousness orienting towards uh, zoning? It's a zoning out. It's a tamasic energy is the word we use in yoga. And it's orienting towards darkness and depth. And if you can follow that lead in, you'll have very, very deep replenishing sleep and you'll wake at the appropriate time for your nervous system when it's just like, that was good. We're done. Game mm -hmm. on. <laughs> right. Um, <clears throat> so when you talk about the evil second one, I think what you're talking about is then staying up beyond that point. And what can happen is that your energy then rises after that point and it, and it can become, I mean, I know that happens with me is if I, I can be really tired, you know, and then uh, if I stay up beyond that point, my energy can rebound and then I want to dive into something new, which I then need to fight. So if I had just gone to bed. And again, you're just borrowing, <laughs> you're just borrowing from tomorrow's energy and that's the bank account that the, the kidneys are the regulators of. Mm. Right. And that's where that's why we've then taken in adrenaline. And then we have the we have we are then in the cascade response of um, stress driven inflammation. So there's emotional inflammation and then there's physiological inflammation. They play off each other. They feedback loop each other. Uh, so if you're overweight and staying up late doing that, it's, you know, like you've no shot. If you're underweight staying up doing that, you probably need more kidney energy anyways. Everyone sort of today does just because the media is so loud with the message of fear. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty intense, pretty intense culture right now. Mm -hmm. One of the other habits that you talk about is the practice of regular daily meditation. And that's definitely a part of the an integral part of spiritual practice of yoga, uh, which we talk about here on the program very often. And um at the end of the show, I'll talk about there's opportunities to meditate with the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, you know, multiple every day um, and uh, lots of other programs as well. Um, so uh, how have you found the practice of meditation supportive in your own life? Yeah, I was listening to I listened to a lot of Alan Watts, the late Alan Watts, who uh, he died around the time I was born and he was talking about how. He likes walking meditation because he can do it and be around people and no one really has to know he's doing it. So it doesn't have to be this like thing. Um, and that's how I, I notice. I'm glad 20 years ago I went deep, you know, 10 day silent meditation retreats where you're just meditating 14 to 16 hours a day. You're fasting a bit, not you're intermittent fasting essentially. So I was glad that I, I went in deep. I studied with, with, profound teachers, uh, gurus, guides, and, and, and studied in intensive communities. And what I notice is that you 
can tap into state levels of consciousness, which totally reset and reorganize the physiology. Now what I find is I do it biking, interestingly, mm -hmm. like kind of, I'm a, I, that's why I'm in the dark in the Canyon in the cold as maybe 14 degrees this morning. And that was my practice mm -hmm. breathing, nasal breathing. So it's like a pranayam consciousness, pretty loose with the mind, just allowing, allowing stuff to come and go without a, 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 a complete dharana. If I use dharana at all, it's the entire environment. So the flexibility of, of, of what the mental technology and the mental psycho-spiritual technology is to me, it's like, if you, if you haven't, if you don't know meditation, you don't, you just don't know. You just don't know. Mm -hmm. Well, the way you describe it, basically, is I know one of the reasons people don't meditate or don't think they can meditate is that they don't have the time for it. And you're talking about a way to fold it in, you know, without like a walking uh, meditation. But drawing from another thing that you said earlier, you should, if you want to have a sitting practice, which I do recommend, um, that you can do it in a shorter period of time and then build on it. And we talked about the tiny habits thing, you know, like do something for a short period of time and just get into the habit of doing it. Tying it to a time of day or, or an activity that you already do is helpful. So for example, doing it first thing in the morning, having it be a part of your morning routine. These are ways that you can build that into your schedule. And hopefully it, as you said, helps you build on it from there. Um, one of the other habits that you talk about is, um, the food we eat, and you suggest that we fuel ourselves with a plant-based diet. So, w why do you suggest that as an important uh, habit for people to get into? Yeah. So, and and I, I and there, what I'm trying to do is steer people's awareness into plants, right? So, not not away from animals, but to the plants that are feeding the animals. If you are eating animals, I do eat animals. Uh, I I tend to like to, you know, source locally and regionally for, for food. And so with plants, plants should bring you into your, it should first bring you into like your kitchen countertop. It should bring you into, uh, to growing food, to connecting with farmers in your community, uh, and to really connecting with the plants and in, in the ecosystem that are off gassing oxygen and that are full of phytonutrients. So we're not going to find the same, uh, diversity of phytonutrient density if we just focus on an animal diet. Right. So, you know, based on all that, uh, what I found in my own personal history with plants was that, you know, medicine and, and even food came something that was like in the grocery store or in uh, medication bottles for me early in life to then in plastic bottles with, with plants in it or glass bottles with plants in it to just the ecosystem, just directly from my ecosystem and, and my relationship with plants, with the species, with the trees, with, I mean, it, you know, it's, it's, the world is medicine, the world is food. And what I found is that unlocked a much deeper sense of how the world worked and abundance and uh, the experience in yoga that we call this, uh, this always being supported and being supported without limbs, that that really comes from a, a very deep connection to into plants and the intelligence mm. of plants. Mm. What we know now too is that you know the microbiome is plant. It's very it's very plant and animal sourced, right? And so the the yeah. the diversity of microbiome is the trump card with microbiome. We want diversity. We want genetic diversity with that. And we get that through plants. We get that through you know when you 
when you chomp on some cabbage or a carrot or, or even better when you ferment that cabbage and carrot. Mm -hmm. It always struck me that when we just look at, for example, organic food, when we just look at it from the perspective of the way that Western medicine tends to look at foods, which are the grams of the things we can measure, you know, or the um, vitamins. So we can measure the grams of fat and the grams of protein and the grams of carbohydrate and the grams of fiber and all that. And it really misses the whole impact it has on the on the microbiome. But I have to believe that your microbiome is going to be quite different if you source organic produce that's been fertilized with organic fertilizer. What is on the surface of those uh, of that you know that produce is going to be much different than from a farm that I mean the produce may be beautiful and it may still have the same number of fat grams and protein grams etc. But the microbiome of that person is going to be different because the microbiome didn't have that richness of you know, organic fertilizers that you get from you get from an organic farm that you don't get with nitrogen based chemical fertilizers that you'd get, you know, from more conventionally grown. You're nodding your head, but our listeners can't see that. So did you want to comment on that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the problem with with uh, with glyphosate, herbicide, right? The stuff that's on everything that's on that's on Roundup, the stuff people spray in their own yards. Mm. is that that is killing the microbiome. It kills your ability to digest. And as soon as you have dysbiosis in your microbiome, the dysbi it's really kind of wild. The dysbiosis, dislife, right? So it's against life. So stuff like Roundup in food, even though you can't tell it's on there, it goes through your digestive tract and it's killing the terrain. It's killing the microbiome there. But, but it enables bad bacteria to breed and that's germ theory. So then the germs can breed. Now the germs aren't just, it's not just the, that the germs are bad. It's the, actually the germs actually mutate the tissue. And so that's one of the big causes of colon cancer right now. It's a dysbiotic off gassing of bad bacteria localized yeah. to the colon. So, you know, it gets, it does get really fascinating as far as like, yeah, the stakes are high and the more disconnected you are from what you're eating, the more risk you're taking in the current actors in that marketplace. Yeah. Um, and, and they're driven by chemical companies. So the chemical companies own the food companies own the pharmaceutical companies, it's all one company and it's targeted on sick care. Uh, unfortunately, the sciences too, and that was, I think, one of the most depressing things about researching wild habits is it was like, oh my gosh, we keep just putting more and more money into sick care. Like, why don't we study the yogis? Like, why don't we study people who are well? Why don't we just do what they're doing? It's so easy. That's right. <laughs> it's so easy. <laughs> well, with that, we've come to the last question I always like to ask, which is in closing, what words of encouragement or inspiration would you like to share with our listeners? We've got about another maybe minute, minute and a half. Yeah, it's super easy to feel better. Like just find, find people, like come hang out with us at Yoga Healer, find organized communities that are very on track with habits that are experiencing growth year over year that have more money and more time because of that growth. Like find, find where the people that are just having a blast right now that wake up and feel great are feeling better year over year, regardless of age. That's the difference between chronological and biological aging. Um, cause, cause as it exists, and be part of that. It's a smaller group, so it's not the norm, but but it totally exists. So go find your safe boat. <laughs> <laughs> I like that safe boat. <clears throat> and with that, you come to the end of the show. You've been listening to the Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. 
I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, producer and host of the Yoga Hour, and I have been discussing the rhythm of life, thriving with yoga and Ayurveda with Kate Stillman, author of the book we've been talking about today, Body Thrive, Uplevel Your Body and Your Life with 10 Habits from Ayurveda and Yoga. You can find out more about Kate and the programs that she offers at her website, yogahealer.com, which uh, this information will be on our website as well, theyogahour.com. Thank you so much, Kate, for joining me today on the Yoga Hour. It's been wonderful to have you as a guest. Oh, thank you. I hope I wasn't too out there, but uh, really fun to speak from the edge. As I mentioned, there are many online meditation programs that are offered through the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment. There's morning meditation from 6.30 to 7.30 in the morning and afternoon meditation from 4 to 4.30. We also offer Sunday satsang from 10 to 11 each week, and all those times are Pacific times. You can find out more about these programs at csecenter.org. We also invite you to join Yogacharya O'Brien's year-long online program, Dharma 365. It's a unique opportunity to immerse yourself in spiritual practice and live with a higher purpose. Registration is open at the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment's website, again, csecenter.org. You can also find out more at ellengraceobrien.com. Join us next time for the Yoga Hour when my guest Moss Vidal and I will be discussing how the ancient sciences of yoga and Ayurveda are sparking a global spiritual evolution. Um, The Yoga Hour is a service project with the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition, which which welcomes people from all backgrounds who are seeking self and God realization. Again, you can find out more about CSE at csecenter.org. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And if you are enjoying the show, you might tell a friend about it. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team, founder and spiritual director, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, assistant producers Ann Hayes and Mickey Coronado. And as always, Jeff Comfort and Louis Pagan in the sound booth at Unity Online Radio. Kate, it's been wonderful to have you and to talk about some habits that people can change that have more to do with aligning their their natural rhythms with the rhythm of the universe. And I think we've given people some good ideas, some ideas about eating a late, an earlier and lighter dinner, getting to bed earlier, tuning into their own sense of when their energy starts to dip and they need to go to bed and then seeing, gradually seeing how that helps them wake up earlier. And uh, with that, I look forward to being with our listeners again. Until then, remember, you can carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. 